was a big desire of ours that we really wanted our kids um, to want to love Jesus and to get to know Jesus. One of our children has some extra needs that were a little bit challenging in a traditional church setting. The one thing that I did realize was, well, that was more important for me as well, is not only is it a good fit for myself and Sherry, but also a good fit for the family. And that was something that was weighing heavy on our hearts. There's a clock that's ticking, and I just wanted as much for them as I could possibly get, and I couldn't do it all on my own. You know, that's God didn't create us for that. And my first impression of Broncroft was, what a large church this is. At that moment, I also realized that uh, being such a larger church, they also had a lot of uh, resources that I wasn't necessarily aware of or even knew existed in churches, especially when it comes to the children's ministry program and, and, and whatnot. So I felt like this is a church that we definitely needed to, to try and, and, and to see if this was what God had in mind for us. You know, I was able to connect with some really great people so that we could really meet all of the needs that that our family represented. There were volunteers that were churchgoers and members uh, just like I am today, and they had a real vested interest in my son, which just, again, just blows my mind because it, to, to know that there are people in this church that care so deeply about other people's families and kids without any, really any reward or any notoriety um, and, do, and do it in such a passionate and consistent way. To me, being able to have um, the church be able to support some of those goals, some of those common visions, is there's nothing more important. Good morning. Welcome to our 9 o'clock service. Pastor Rob, that you are here with us this morning. Today is a celebration, uh, as Jason mentioned, and it's the anniversary, really, this, this month, this week, next week, of the one year where we began what we're calling the REACH Initiative, which is a number of things. It is a capital campaign. Uh, we have just finished, or almost finished, a great renovation on our school building, and we'll be moving into uh, this room and this building uh, in this coming year. It is a capital uh, campaign, but it's much more than simply a renovation of our facility. It is also a multi-year vision, a commitment for us to want to reach a new generation of people uh, with the message of the gospel. People like me, people like you, people like John and Sherry, if you remember that video of one year ago, who are in this community today, who live on my street, who live on your street, who live, you know, a mile or two from this facility, who do not know um, the, the, the simple and profound message of the forgiveness of the gospel, who don't know it today, who people who, individuals, families like the, the Wong family, who don't have a church home today, don't know uh, what they're missing. That's what the REACH initiative is really all about. We've been here in this fall studying the book of Nehemiah, reflecting, if you know this story, on this call to this man to bring about a renovation, to bring about a spiritual renewal of the people of God in his day, to reflect on what God is 
and wants to do in the life of our church. And we are at near the end of this study. If you have a copy of the Bible, you can open up. Jason mentioned this too. We're at Nehemiah chapter 12. If you have a copy of the Bible, if you can access it, uh, go right ahead and do that on your your phone or your, your hard copy like mine. There are Bibles in the seat backs in front of you. Help yourself. Open up to Nehemiah, first third of your Old Testament, past the books of Moses, uh, and you will find uh, past Samuel, Chronicles, Kings, the book of Nehemiah. We're in Nehemiah chapter 12. And here in this study, if you've been following this along, Nehemiah is called to do this project. It's a capital project too. But as I've said before, this capital project to rebuild the burned down broken walls of Jerusalem really was designed for something much bigger. It was about the renovation and the renewal of the people of God who had fallen into disgrace. That's how this book opens. It's a spiritual revival. It's an awakening of the people of God. That's what it's about. In fact, here, near the end of the book, we'll finish it next week, is the dedication of the walls. That's what we're doing. We're going to celebrate today a little bit here, even as a congregation. But they don't do that right after the walls are finished. The walls were finished in Nehemiah chapter 6. You think, well, why do they wait six chapters to celebrate the, the finish of this amazing project? Well, because in between Nehemiah 6 and this passage, there was a time of renewing of the covenant. There was a time to renew their hearts, to renew their commitment to God, because this is what it was really all about. But here they are now after uh, a season of spiritual renewal as the people of God. We looked at these the last two weeks. They're going to dedicate this wall. It's a time of celebration, and we have a, something to celebrate as well. And this is a message I've titled, A Time to Dance. A Time to Dance. Nehemiah 12, we'll read a handful of verses, verses 27 to 31 and 38 to 40. Follow along as I read. At the dedication of the wall of Jerusalem... The Levites were sought out from where they lived and were brought to Jerusalem to celebrate joyfully the dedication with songs of thanksgiving and with the music of cymbals, harps, and lyres. The musicians also were brought together from the region around Jerusalem, from the villages of the Natophilites and from Beth Gilgal and from the sea, uh, from the area of Geba and Esmaveth. And for the musicians had built villages for themselves around Jerusalem. When the priests and the Levites had purified themselves ceremonially, they purified the people, the gates, and the wall. I had the leaders of Judah go up on the top of the wall. I also assigned two large choirs to give thanks. One was to proceed on the top of the wall to the right toward the dung gate. Verse 38. The second choir proceeded in the opposite direction. I followed them on top of the wall, Nehemiah speaking, together with half the people, past the tower of the ovens to the broad wall, over the gate of Ephraim, of Jeshanop gate, the fish gate, the tower of Henaniel, and the tower of the hundred, as far as the sheep gate. At the gate of the guard, uh, they stopped. The two choirs that gave thanks then took their places in the house of God in the temple, so did I together with half of the officials. The first thing I want to say in this brief message, it's in our, our, our guide, I forgot to bring mine here this morning, it's in my office, is the first point is we're thinking, thanking God for the work that he does through us is 
the source of our greatest joy, right? This is really what they're talking about. It's a time of great joy. They brought together to celebrate joyfully the dedication of the songs. Twice in this passage, I read it both in in verse 38 and verse 40, it says, there were two choirs that gave thanks. And Nehemiah takes one choir and, and, and he says, you guys go up this way and flank one direction. And he takes the other choir and he says, you flank this way and you go this direction. And, but it's interesting, you wouldn't know this, but in those four words, choirs that gave thanks, is just one word in Hebrew translated with, that, with those four words, you know, choirs or companies to give thanks. And that one Hebrew word literally means thanksgivings, or confessions. That's what the one word means. And the idea is this. What they're doing here, they're not just simply, it's not simply an acknowledgement of what they have done. And they've done something amazing, right? I mean, we looked at all the challenges, all the, all the hardships, all those kind of miracles that needed to happen for them to be able to, to construct this wall, you know, against enemies and here in, in, in a foreign country, in a foreign situation uh, under Persian rule. A lot of things happened and they did do something amazing. But what they're acknowledging is not what they have done, but what God has done through them, right? This is really what is amazing. If you think about it, why does Nehemiah have them walk on the wall, by the way? They're literally walking on the wall, these two choirs giving thanks and singing praises as they're heading to the temple. Well, I think he does it for two reasons. One reason certainly is it's a reminder, it ought to be to you and me if you've been following this story, of how this book started. Right before Nehemiah ever said a word to anybody, before he ever gathered the, 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 the humble leaders of Israel to, to tell them what he, God had put on his heart, he got up one night and he himself walked on the wall. In fact, he was riding his horse. It's in chapter 2. And the wall was so tenuous that he actually had to get off of his horse because it would not sustain him, right? The same little reconnaissance that they're, that, that, that they're doing now, walking on the wall, he did it. But the other thing, the reason I think he encouraged them to walk on this wall, is that they would be reminded, right, of just 60 days before when their enemies said to them, you know, if you remember, who are these feeble Jews, right? Even a fox, if he were to walk on this wall, would break this wall down. You can't do this. You don't have what it takes. It will never happen. And here, 60 days later, or a little more than 60 days later, they're standing on this wall. It did take place. It did happen. And they were giving God thanks for all that he had done. Now, the people made real sacrifices. Important that we remember that. Many, they didn't all need to come back. Many of people didn't come back. But the majority of Jews, when the, when the call was given, if you can come back to Jerusalem, after 70 years of uh, exile, after 70 years of the nation largely lying in ruin, the call was given. God worked through the Persian leaders and said, listen, if you want to go back, you can go back. But most people didn't. Those who went back, like Nehemiah, right? They made real sacrifices. They, 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 they came back. They lived very humble lives. Most of them did not make a lot of money. We saw this. They were under great opposition. But those sacrifices, right, 
were ultimately brought them to a greater place of dependence on God. And this is where the joy came. The real actor in this story is God. He was the one that inspired Nehemiah. He was the one that turned the heart of the king to give these resources. He's the one that foiled the plot to stop this work and ultimately get to the temple. That's where they ultimately get, right? They, the two choirs play their places in the house of God. And it's a time of thanksgiving. It's a time of joy. And I think Nehemiah had him walk on these walls to build a confidence in these people because as amazing as this was, listen, as amazing as it is that we finished this, this amazing uh, school building, it, it was just the beginning of what God wanted to do to these people, right? The same thing will be true for us in our church. There's nothing that you might want to do that's good. There's nothing that I might want to do that's good. There's nothing that we might aspire as a church to do in the life of our church that's good about reaching a new generation of people in this community that God doesn't want to help us do. God is for us, and we know this. There's tremendous spiritual need in this community. I don't need to spend five minutes convincing any of you that. There's tremendous spiritual need, and I would say this. There are plenty of resources in this church, not only to renovate these facilities, but to expand whatever we need to do to reach them. The question is, are we open, right? That's the real question of this book and of this moment, to making whatever sacrifices are necessary, sacrifices in the way I live my life, sacrifices in the way I look at the people around me, sacrifices in how I spend my money. Am I open to, do, to, to depending God uh, on God in new ways so that... We can join him in what he wants to do. That's really the question. That's the only question we need to answer because God already knows what he wants to do, right? It's the great, it's the, it's the, it's the, it's a, it's a retelling. The gospel is a simple retelling of the most famous story in all the Bible, which is the feeding of the 5,000. And the disciples are there when God already knows what he wants to do and he's trying to encourage them to have faith. And they, he says, you feed them. And then, the, and then, the, and then the, the passage in John 6 says, because he already knew what he wanted to do, right? God already knows what he wants to do. The question is, am I willing to make sacrifices? Are you willing to make sacrifices? Whatever they might be, some are big, some are not so big, that we might depend on God in new ways so that we can join him in what he's doing. And this is where great joy is experienced, right? I had the opportunity, we had the opportunity to sit down one year later with the uh, Wong family, the video you saw a year ago, a family just like you, sitting in this congregation just like me, who decided a year ago to make some changes, to make some sacrifices, so that they could join God in what he's doing in this community. Watch this video. So as I was trying to, you know, listen to God and pray to see what direction that he wanted me to take in my life and in my ministry, I needed to make a lot of major changes in my life, which includes my job. I approached my, my administration and my chief um, with the truth. I told them that God was calling me into a different area of my life, that I needed to have more time and flexibility with my job and a change of focus. And God is faithful. They made all the changes that I had requested so that it would allow me to pursue my passion 
in the worship ministries. One of the concerns was with this change in focus in, in, in my employment, is that going to affect our financial situation and, and our ability to do the things that we needed to do for our family. Uh, throughout the whole thing, by the end, I was able to change the definition and the focus of my job, maintain the ability that we have, uh, that we had to support my family financially, and it also allowed us to, you know, give more um, through the REACH initiative um, that we were also worried about. What I found this time, and I found in the past, is not only did God provide, but almost exactly what we need, so that it, there's no question. And we did have to take a step of faith. We had to make decisions. Right. We had to pay one significant large bill. We had to pledge, or we wanted to pledge, for the REACH initiative, but we didn't have all the answers to where all that was all gonna come from. One of the phrases that was used over and over again was to go deeper in relationships, and we were um, trying to have our small group um, really connect and begin to move into um, closer relationships. The, the one thing that we really wanted out of a small group was kind of a second family, you know, because essentially what it is is we're, we're there to, to live life together, you know, mm -hmm. as, as Christians. And so the first step I felt like was, well, we need to be real with each other and we need to be able to be ourselves, you know? The good, the bad, the ugly, everything. After the last time when we did this at the beginning of the REACH initiative, one um, woman come up to me in the hallway. We're just, you know, busyness of church and everything, and her, you know, her husband doesn't come to church, and I'm like, just come. Just like, you need to come. With your kids, she had invited another friend um, who um, has a similar family set up, a couple kids, husband doesn't come to church, and who better to reach? I think this story is kind of coming full circle. You know, in the beginning, it was a very overwhelming process. I mean, especially when you're concerned about your family, a big church. The, there's one thing, I think, that made all that go away, honestly. And I think that was putting faith in God, putting yourself out there, getting involved, getting deeper with other people. It's cool to see the faithfulness of God when you take those steps, even in, in small aspects within the church. What the REACH initiative have done um, for the whole church is to unify the church. When people are on the same page, it's much easier to a, notice things that are going on around you and to actually have more courage and, and support to do the things that God's calling you to do in your life. What a great story. What a great testimony. Um, I'm so encouraged by, uh, you know, John and Sherry's story, the Wong family story, because it's, it's not that far uh, from the stories of other people in this church, and it's not that far from what any of us can do if we want to do it, right? In this case, they didn't, they could, they didn't decide to, um, you know, sell everything they have and burn their bridges and move to a, a, another part of the world, which some of us may decide to do, but they simply decided, right? No one, no one forced them. I, I certainly didn't. 
um, uh, to, for John, who's a, a physician in our community, to say, listen, I want to do more. I want to say yes to more of what God is calling me to do. I want to use my gifts for the kingdom of God. I want to do something. I want to reach people. And I'm going to make some adjustments, right? I'm going I'm, I'm I'm to go to my job and make some adjustments. And Sherry decided she was going to reach out to some people right here in her immediate uh, friend group, some who had husbands who don't know Christ, right? The little sacrifices that they make, but I would have to be willing to believe that those sacrifices were uh, more than made up, right, by the joy that they're experiencing by being involved in God's work. That's true for me. That can be true for me. That can be true for you. And this is really the invitation. Thanking God for the work that he does through us is our greatest source of joy. Second thing you see in this passage, our joy in God's work is a witness to the world around us. Verse 43, our joy, this is really what Nehemiah was all about. What was the point? The walls were a means to an end. Renovating this facility, it's a means to an end. Ultimately, it's about restoring the worship life of the community and seeing God's name broadcast to those who don't know him. Verse 43, and on that day, right, this is the day of dedication, they offered great sacrifices, rejoicing because God had given them great joy. Who is it? The men, the women, and the children also rejoiced. The sound of rejoicing in Jerusalem could be heard far away, right? Now, the word joy in one verse. Now, if you read this verse, it's four different times. In the Hebrew, it's actually five different times the word joy is used. And it says in here, the men, the women, the children, because God had given them joy. He's trying to make a point that what the whole Christian life is about, right? It's not to be fueled by adrenaline. Sometimes it is that, right? That's what we think it means, and we, this is what it means to serve God, or it's fueled by our guilt, right? To do what we think God wants us to do. But really, the purpose of the people of God, the great picture of the church, what it means to be a follower of Jesus, it's not fueled by adrenaline. It's not fueled by guilt. It's fueled by the power and the pleasure that only God can give. When you and I decide to make whatever sacrifices, right? This is what Jesus means when he says, he that finds his life will lose it. He that loses his life will find it. That's not a downer verse. That's not a martyr verse, that's Jesus trying to say, listen, if you want to find out what the meaning of life is, you need to surrender your small ambitions, and you need to join me in what I'm doing in the rest of the world. That's what they were doing. And when they decided to do that, they felt the pleasure of God. You know that great story, you know, the, uh, the, the, the um, uh, chariots of fire, right? Some of you remember that great movie. What did that great runner say? He said, listen, when I run, I feel God's pleasure. Right? That's what they were feeling. This is what joy means. And by the way, the sacrifices, verse 43, on that day they offered great sacrifices. Now in this case, they weren't talking in that verse, verse 43, about making personal sacrifices. We already talked about that. Yes, they did. Here, they're talking about worship sacrifices. In other words, remember, the whole nation of Israel, the, not just the walls, but the temple, the house of God had been burned and destroyed by fire, and they had just rebuilt it. 
The walls were built here. Just decades earlier, they had rebuilt the temple that was destroyed. And here, in this moment, they're offering sacrifice. In other words, they, they were restoring the worship life of Israel. And because they were restoring the worship life of Israel, verse, uh, Jason, I think, mentioned this, the sound of rejoicing could be heard very far away. Let me tell you what that is. Yes, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a cute verse that says the, the music was loud and it was fun and people were excited, but it's code language, if you know your Old Testament, and it's code language to say this, that their purpose had been restored because of the purpose of the nation of Israel, the purpose of the church is that the peoples of the earth might know that the Lord is God and there is none other. And in this moment, as they were sacrificing on the temple, as they were ultimately doing what God had called them to do, not only was they were joy, but let me tell you what the sacrifices are. The sacrifices... It's the heart of the system. It's the gospel of Jesus because as they made sacrifices and they had joy, the people out said, what is that noise? What's it about? And they said, the people of Israel. See, they've restored the sacrificial system. And what is the point of the sacrificial system? The sacrificial system was a message to the world about the atonement and the love of God. And what, was, and what, what they were saying was, listen, God loves you. God has provided an answer for, the, for, the, for the, 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 the hurt of your sin, for the damage of your guilt. And that answer is in the sacrificial system. And for you and me, of course, it's the gospel. What does it mean for us? What does it mean for us that our sacrifice sacrificial system is, is restored, that there is rejoicing, that the sound of rejoicing in Browncroft Community Church can be heard far away. What it means for this is that the gospel so captures your imagination. It so captures my imagination, right? It's what God is doing in my life, what he has done in my life that I can't help but share it with other people. That's what it's about. And when that happens, that's why, we're, that's why this is, we want to study this book. That's why I've called this message uh, series Spiritual Awakening. My prayer for you, my prayer for me, my prayer for us is that the gospel of Jesus Christ would so capture your imagination, would so deepen, work its way down into your heart, doing a greater work of healing, a greater work of forgiveness, that you can't help telling other people about it. That's what was going on here. Let me tell you. This week, um, I was I, I go to the, was at my gym, and I uh, was on the uh, uh, you know do what I do you know a couple times a week. I was on my my stair machine, and I got ready to tune up my you know uh, iPad. You know uh, I don't watch hardly any commercial like like many of you. Right? I don't want, I just you know watch what I want to watch, and while I'm tuning that up. I noticed on the television right next to my stair machine, you know, the person next to me, I don't even think there was anyone on there, um, on that TV was the movie Saving Private Ryan. Right? Anyone? So I've seen that movie. And I thought to myself, huh, I, I, I usually don't, I, I don't take the bait because I hate commercial television now, you know, but I thought, huh, I, I'm going to figure out which station it was on. I started to watch it, right? 45 minutes later... When I'm done, I, I'm still watching it. You know, it was, it's, it's, it's a powerful movie, those of you who have seen it. And then I did something that really I don't think I've ever done in my 12 years at this gym. You know, I, I finished what I was doing and went and took a, a shower and uh, got back into my street clothes. And I went back out into the floor, got up on the machine, and I started to watch the rest of that movie. 
And I'm sure that people thought I was nuts and think, well, Rob, don't you have a television at home? Yes, I do have a television at home. But I'll tell you why I did uh, for some more minutes. I won't tell you how many, okay? Why I did that. You know what that story's about? Some of you do, some of you don't. It's a story, World War II, about eight guys who were called on a mission. And these eight men were called on a mission to go into enemy lines in France against the German resistance to cut through enemy lines at risk of their own life. And a number of them, two or three, lost their life to simply find one man, right, Private Ryan, whose four brothers had died in the war, but their mission was to find him. And I just, it was, it's such a powerful message. It's such a powerful mission. And I wanted to watch the movie long enough, even though I've seen it before, so that I could see the look on their faces, those who had survived this mission, when they finally saw and found Private Ryan. Guys, because that's the message of the gospel, right? God sent his son into the world, into enemy lines. He gave his life as if he was coming into the world just to save you and just to save me. Right? And I just wanted, in, in a way, I just, something about me just wanted to see that and experience it because I wanted to be reminded, right, of what it was that God has done for me. This is what it's all about. You want to know why the joy is, is sucked out of your life? Because you've no longer allowed the, they, they gave, they sacrificed, and there was great rejoicing. God gave them great joy. Where does the joy come from? It comes from the forgiveness of God. It comes from the undeserved love of God. It comes from the fact that although you were yet sinners, Christ died for you, right? And when that captures your heart, nothing can stop us. Nothing should stop us. And this is really what it's all about. Let me say one other thing. Right? It says, the sound of rejoicing in Jerusalem could be heard far away. Right? This is what it's all about. This is what the Reach Initiative is about for every single one of us in this room. But two, things that, two other things that we added to this Reach Initiative of one year ago, and there was two partnerships. We said, listen, we don't want to just reach the suburbs of Rochester in, in the east side. We don't want to just take a deeper step in the city. There's one partnership. But we also want to join with people in different parts of the world. We want to be true to our calling to reach the outside world that is the world outside of the United States of America where the gospel also needs to be preached. And we decided, many of you know this, to, to, to do an international partnership, to partner with another congregation in a different part of the world through our missionary network so that we could, in a manner of speaking, partner with another church and bring the church, the international church, into our church and bring our church into another part of the world to help us get a better appreciation, a better experience of partnering with the church. We've made that decision. I'm here to share this announcement with you this morning as part of our REACH initiative. Some of you know, I went on uh, three trips this year, 2017, to uh, Bolivia and Peru and to Honduras, and we decided to partner with an amazing church. It's in Lima, Peru. Uh, in, it's the church uh, in Mia Flores, Peru, called the Missionary Alliance Church. I have been there. Our mission director, Karen Wood, and a great friend, leader, uh, Beatrice Flores, just got back, and I want to share a video with you, a, a welcome video from this church, our new partners here this morning.
días hermanos de Brandcraft Community Church Soy Juan Valle, pastor de la Iglesia Alianza Cristiana y Misionera de Miraflores En la ciudad de Lima, Perú Nuestra iglesia se ubica en uno de los distritos más turísticos de la ciudad Tenemos cinco servicios los fines de semana Con una asistencia semanal promedio de 2.000 personas Y 250 niños cada fin de semana Tenemos como visión ser agentes de cambio a personas y familias con los principios de la palabra de Dios. Nos llena de alegría el corazón esta alianza entre ustedes, Browncraft, y nosotros, Miraflores. Sabemos que el Señor nos demandará grandes desafíos para ambas congregaciones y es por ello que uniendo esfuerzos extenderemos el reino de Dios aquí en la tierra, así como es allá en los cielos, y todo ello reunirá para la gloria de nuestro Señor. Dios les bendiga, nos vemos pronto. So it's a very exciting opportunity, and you know, that wasn't so hard to do for us because of the great missionary network this church has. But this will be a new opportunity for us to partner with a great church, as you can see by that video. Uh, it's, this isn't a, you know, we want to go and help you. It's about an interdependence. It's about learning from each other, growing from each other, and being involved in mission with each other. Karen uh, uh, was just there. And uh, she got to even spend a, a day, uh, a, a couple hours away with some indigenous Indians that are, could also be a part of uh, in Peru uh, that we might be able to partner with them with. And uh, she came back with some great ideas. And we hope, I hope, that you'll see some of their uh, folks here on this platform in, in 2018 and even talked about maybe having some of their kids come to Flower City. So stay tuned for more on this partnership. Last point I want to make here, right? is that celebration is at the heart of the church experience, right? This is really what it's all about. It's restoring joy, to put joy back at the heart of the ministry. And we see this is what Nehemiah is trying to capitalize on here, and it's what I hope we can do. And let's look at these final verses together and see how this chapter ends. Chapter uh, 13, uh, chapter 12, I'm sorry, verses 44 and through 47. The celebration is to be the heart of the church experience. At that time, men were appointed to be in charge of the storerooms for the contributions, first fruits and tithes. From the fields around the towns, they were to bring into the storerooms the portions required by the law for the priests and the Levites, for Judah was pleased with the ministering priests and Levites. It's been a long time since that was true. They performed the service of their God and the service of purification, as, also, as did also the musicians and the gatekeepers, according to the commands of God, uh, of David, excuse me, and his son Solomon. For long ago, for long ago, in the days of David and Asaph, there had been directors for the musicians and for the songs of praise and for the thanksgiving to God. So in the days of Zerubbabel and Nehemiah, all Israel contributed the daily portions for the musicians and the gatekeepers. They also set aside the portion for the other Levites, and the Levites set aside a portion for the descendants of Aaron. What's all this about, right? It is about giving, but here's the point of this is what the nation did. 
was that I think they looked at this worship experience. They were finally sacrificing once again. There were musicians that had been coming, Levites that had come in from the other towns. They were actually doing for the first time in a long time what David and Asaph, what they were supposed to do. They were, they were having the kind of worship services that they were supposed to have, but they had long since forgotten about. And now that they were experiencing this kind of worship from the heart, it was all about what God had done for them, and their rejoicing could be heard for miles away. I think the leader says, we want to make sure that this continues, right? And so they said, listen, let's make sure. Let's not just turn this into a great inspirational day. Let's, man, let, let's, let's turn this into a commitment so that this kind of rejoicing, this kind of testimony, the purposes of God can be lived out in the days to come. That's what we're talking about, guys, right? We just got done, as you know. Uh, we're almost done. I, I, I was here yesterday. I always come on Saturdays just for briefly, sometimes maybe it's 20 minutes, and just come and try to pray here sometime in the sanctuary. But yesterday, because of where we are, I thought, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do my own little reconnaissance. And I just, I put my coat on, a little cold out. But I walked around uh, the school building, right? And I would encourage you to do that, because a lot of times you come and go, you don't even pay attention on a Sunday morning. But, you know, it's, if you really, t- you know, make your way around it today. And take a look at the courtyard, because the courtyard is completely finished. And it's beautiful. And I just walked around that building, and I just was thanking God. Just a 10-minute walk, and, 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 and praying, uh, thanking God for the, for, the, for the kids that are there. Thanking God for the, the parents and the student leaders that spend every uh, you know, week, 40 weeks of the year, out there um, praying and leading kids. But I also began to thank God and pray to God, said, God, who are the, the John and Sherry's of 2018? Who are the people in this community that you still want to reach, right? Who are they? Not only in that building, but of course in this one, right? This is just the beginning of what God wants us to do. And I want to say this. I, I, want, I want to thank all of you. Many of you, as I walked around that building, uh, let me just give you the latest numbers just so you know. Uh, some of you don't know this. You weren't even here a year ago. But we launched this um, you know, aggressive and, 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 and uh, uh, exciting and big uh, REACH initiative trying to raise uh, uh, $5 million to renovate this facility, all of it. And uh, we had 434 pledges come in. And 434 pledges... Um, at about four eight four point eight million dollars, we were actually looking for four point five, and 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 you guys outdid that. And as of today, more or less, I could be off by a nickel or two, but we have in hand about one point eight million of that four point eight million pledged, and that's amazing. And we could not do this without you. Period. A paragraph. I want to say thank you so much for the sacrifices that many of you are making financially so that we can renovate this facility as we're finishing that one. And next week, I'm going to be give just a little commercial of what's next, guys. That's just the beginning. That's just the beginning. We are hopefully, by God's grace, next summer, 
this summer, I should say, or connect this coming summer. Going to do exactly what we did there. We're going to renovate this place and parts of uh, this entire building uh, to prepare for us. Really, I would say part two is really, um, I would say part one was strengthening our platform, right? That building that was 60 years old, strengthening it for um, a new generation. Part two is going to really expand our capacity, both in this room and I think some in, in, in the school building um, so that we can really experience growth in the next year. So we're not done. So let me say this. I'm, I've been asked the band to come out. We're going to stand on our feet. We need to little, make a little noise uh, this morning as well. But let me say this. Let me say this. Um, I want to say thank you for the, for the 434 of you. Don't raise your hand. Couldn't do this without you. And next Sunday... It's really the, the, um, the, when we, those of you who remember, we handed these pledges in um, one year uh, ago from next Sunday off a day. It was the 20th, uh, and next Sunday is the 19th. And we're going to have a, a special offering next Sunday within our regular offering for two purposes. One is, for some of us, some of the 434 of us, who may want to mark this one-year anniversary by advancing some portion of your pledge. Now, some of you are way ahead of others. Everyone is different. It's a three-year pledge. You do it as you feel God leads you to do it. But I want to encourage you, challenge you, to prayerfully uh, ask God in your pledge, in my pledge, if you want to give, uh, uh, advance some of that next Sunday as we celebrate one year, you can do that in context of the offering. But also, right, guys, I want to talk to the those of you who aren't the 434, and say, listen, it's not too late to be involved, right? I want to challenge you. Some people in this room, some of you, you've been here for a whole year. You, you've heard everything that there is to say, but you haven't decided to join us, right? And I want to encourage you um, um, to pray about it and think about it and say, you know what? Uh, I'm going to be a part of this as well. These cards are in the seat back in front of you. We did this a year ago. Grab one, take it home with you. And if you're here next Sunday, I would encourage you to join the rest of us and to be a part of this uh, commitment going forward because we have a lot to do and uh, today just marks uh, the end of the beginning. Amen? All right, I want to pray for us and then we're going to sing. So please stand with me uh, as we uh, pray here this morning and give thanks to God as a congregation.